Just give me a second to catch my breath. You guys were just inspiring me, encouraging me to sing louder and louder, and I was getting more and more out of breath, and I can't breathe now, so. What's that? (laughs) He said it happens with age. That was the comment over here. I'm serious. I'm out of breath. So last week we started, um, did an introduction to Philippians. We want to kind of walk our way through it. And uh, so we backtracked and we looked at Paul when he went to Philippi and what he ran into and the challenges that he had. But yet his, his mentality, his attitude, his faith, his courage never seems to change. And that's what is just amazing to me. And you're going to see this throughout this letter, this, this short letter that he wrote to the, uh, to the Christians at uh, Philippi. You, you're, you're, we're going to see the word mind come up quite a bit. Joy will come up several times. Faith. Now remember this, and then we'll jump right into the text. He's writing from prison. Paul has every reason... To say, ah, you know, it's just not the best of days. It's just not the best of times. God, if, if, if you could, if you could correct this situation right here, then I could be happy, productive, right? That's never where he goes. Let me say this. I'm at a loss for words today exactly how to explain what Paul is about to tell us. It's one of those Sundays where it's a challenge. So go ahead and go to the next slide. And here's where Paul begins. Grace and peace to you. Right? Grace that we have now received because of Jesus Christ. It's the reason that we're here today. But I love how he ties the second word to it. And I think they are they are connected. Grace should always lead to peace in my heart. This morning, if there's something that's missing in my life where I'm not experiencing peace, the question that I would ask is whether or not we understand the concept of grace. And so he says, grace and peace. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. I want you to listen to those words. I thank my God every time that I remember you and all of my prayers for you. I always pray. With joy. Because, watch carefully, of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm praying for you. We have this partnership together. And he goes on. It's right for me to feel this way. 
about all of you. Since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Again, it's, it's, there's no circumstances involved with Paul's life. It's not when I get out, when I get back on the road, when I get healed up, when I get my life together, when I become smarter. No. If I'm in chains, if I'm defending, confirming the gospel, all of us are sharing in this God's grace. And God can testify how I long for you. With the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, that's another statement that kind of blows my mind after how he got treated in Philippi. That he looks back and says, I, I long for you. I long to be with you. I pray for joy. Whether I'm in chains or not, it doesn't matter to me. What God began in your life, God will see to completion. I'm confident of that. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may, may be able to discern what is best. And that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, here's what's interesting to me. He begins this letter, right? Salutation and, you know, we, we typically, hi, how you doing? Hope everything's going well. But he elaborates. And this is what he elaborates on. I'm praying for you. I can't wait to see you. We have this partnership together in the gospel. And I'm going to keep praying for you. And I'm longing to see you. And we're together in this. And we have the mission of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know what, church? It's, we're in this together. I would tend to think, and if it were me writing, I would say, now, dear Church of Christ at the Heartland Church of Christ... Let me tell you about the gospel. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Let me tell you. And he jumps right in and says, oh, we, it, it's us together. And I think that is a major clue for us in how we experience life and how we experience love and how we experience church growth. So this morning I was walking around and I looked at our banners. And, and our banners say, we, we have a heart for the world. I love using, I love using heart. Right? We love the world. We, we love people. That's where our heart is. And we're going to continue to work on that and, and grow in that area. A heart for the body of Christ. That's us. To say and to think. I hope that when we walk in these doors, we're thinking, man, 
I can't wait to visit with Brother Witt. And there's Jerry. I long for these people. I can't wait to be together. Because we have a heart for the body of Christ. This isn't about just coming in and getting correct instruction. Could I get an amen on that? It's not about just getting correct. It's important. It's not about just singing songs. It's about doing all of that with the idea that we are in a partnership together. That means that we are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ together. A heart for God, of course. But I want you to look at this banner. An all-member ministry. There's our partnership in the gospel. What that means is this. And by the way, Steve's going to be continuing to talk to you about it. And I'm encouraging Steve. Yeah, go get them. Get them. Go sick them. Get after them. Email them, text them, call them in the middle of the night. I don't care. Get after them. So that's, don't, don't look at me. It's Steve that's doing it, but I'm going to tell you, I'm behind it. Sick them. It says every member here is involved in some area of ministry. You say, why? Why would you do that? Because we have a heart and we love I want to tell you this, and then, then I'll tell you a story. I have been in the church, in the Church of Christ, from the time I was born. Sat most of my time growing up on the second row. And I've heard, and I've watched, and I've seen the good and the bad and the ugly. And even as a child, I could pick out certain things and I say, boy, that's good. I, I remember a heyday when I was in, in middle school and, and the church that we were a part of. Man, we were on fire for the Lord and we were doing things together. And as a teenager, I felt it. I said, this is good. We, there's love going on. There's things happening. They're bringing people. We're reaching people with the gospel. I said, that's, that's wonderful. And I've been... Through church, when you, when you step back and go, uh, I just get a sense that we're just going through the motions. Been there? It's just a matter of just going through the motions. Coming in, punching our card, and <clears throat> leaving. And so I've seen it all. But here's what I want to tell you <clears throat> that I love about church. I love it that we get to sing together with people that we're not best friends with. Some people are different than us. Some of you are just weird. I'm just going to tell you, you're weird. See, I'm from the South. You're just weird, and I love it. Because what we do is we come together and with one voice united under the banner of Jesus Christ, we get to sing these songs. And we get to get out of breath. I love that. I love to come together to be in the presence of the Lord with you. 
I want to tell you, I was in the presence of the Lord earlier this morning by myself. Forget it. I love to be in the presence of the Lord with you. And I love being able to take the Lord's Supper together with you, with, with people who are strangers and, 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 and friends and loved ones and family. But we all come together and we partake and it, it sends a message to us. Life is a challenge. Life is difficult. But you know what? We're in this together. And always remember that as it's passed and we partake, we're making a renewed commitment to Jesus Christ in the presence of all of these witnesses. And I love that. And I love that we have challenges and difficulties and all of us have different things to overcome. But this is the body of Christ. And I want us never to lose our fervor and our love for each other. So what Paul begins with is this. I have you in my mind. I think about you. I have you in my heart. And I have you in my prayers. And so I backed up and I said this. What is the significance of this Body of Christ, love for one another, does it really make a difference? Because let's be just real honest. We do not live in a culture of tight, close community anymore. We just don't. right? Especially when you live in a city this size of Kansas City. You guys are coming from everywhere. I don't even know how to pronounce some of the names that you come from. And you drive. And we're here together. I said, what is the benefit of fellowship and love and caring for one another and being together? And so let's go back to third grade when the teacher read to us. Because I ran across the town of Rosetto, Pennsylvania. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. There's been like two or three studies on this city. And, and here's what we discover. That when we think about being healthy, right, we think about diet and exercise and vitamins and, and the genes that we have, right? We say, well, it's, it's, it's in my genes, it's genetic. Avoiding bad habits, and those are important. But what role does feeling intimately supported by a community of people that you care about, what role does that have on my well-being? And I've never really thought about it. I've never taken the time to look into it. Here's what we know today. Loneliness can make one sicker than smoking cigarettes. I'll let that one sink in for a moment. Loneliness can make a person sicker than smoking cigarettes. It's not even in our genes to think in that direction. And being part of a supportive community can increase life expectancy. So go back in time with me, 1961, to Rosetta, Pennsylvania, to a community of Italian immigrants who settled together in a, little, in a little area of Pennsylvania, an enclave, where they recreated the old country in this new world. 
Because of its remoteness, not many outsiders came in. It, it was them. So in the daytime, you'll find in this, this, this little community, ghost town. Children are at school. Adults are working. And they're basically working in a, a blouse factory or a, um, a, a stone. They, they made stone. And they all had a mission. And their goal was this. We want to work and build this community and we want to send our children to college so they can become greater than we. And that's why they worked. So during the day, it was a ghost town. But oh, when work was over and school was over, the city streets would start filling and people would be walking down Main Street. And they had all these old stone houses and they would line the streets where they were built but they had the church. It was the, it was the tallest building in, in the town. And the name of it was Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church. And it towered over all the other buildings. So as they were on their way home from, from working or from school, they would visit with one another. But they were all on their way home to get changed and get ready for the church bell. And the church bell would ring every evening. And that was a signal. Let's go. So they all came out and they, they had community places and, 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 and they all came together and the ladies were back there finishing up these incredible Italian dishes and the men were organizing the chairs and the tables and where people were going to sit. And every night they sat around and they ate. And they laughed. And the children played. And they ate all kinds of food. You think, well, you know, they're probably eating healthy. They're not. They were eating piles of pasta, Italian sausage, meatball fri meatballs fried in lard, and the free-flowing vino every night. And they enjoyed their, their company of one another. Multi-generational homes were the norm, where multiple family members lived together in these homes. Everyone, everyone went to church together. Neighbors would wander in and out of one another's kitchens and uh, quite regularly and holidays are joyously celebrated together. And they kept that common mission. We want to raise these children to become somebody. We're going to do whatever it takes. They took care of each other. Nobody was left to struggle through life alone. Dr. Stuart Wolf began to hear some things coming out of this particular community. Fifty years ago, he began studying these people. What is this that I'm hearing? What he learned was they had incredible health statistics. Heart attack rates were half the national average. Let me say that again. Heart attack rates were half the national average. Moreover, the death rate from all causes was 35 to 40 percent lower than average. They basically were dying of old age. That's it. So how can this be? What? So they brought in. Dr. Wolf brought in all of these specialists and they went and looked at every particular area of life to figure out exactly what's going on, right? There's some 
key, there's some secret here. In this city, there was no suicide, no alcoholism, no drug addiction, and there was very, very low crime. They just died when they got old. They said, it's got to be diet. It's what, it's what they're eating. It didn't take them long to look at all the Italian sausage and frying foods and lard and pizza, and they're like, nope, that didn't it. that's not it at all. Well, these people are just more physically fit. No. That was not it either. Many smoked and were sedentary, and even they had several that were obese. But they just lived a long time. Genetics. That's what it is. It's genes. They went across the country and found several other people that came from that part of Italy over to the United States and did interviews with them, and they tested them. It wasn't it either. They had all the same health issues, just not in Rosetta. That's geography. It's where they live. Something to do with the water. No, they were drinking the municipal water that was, that was common to several communities around them. So what in the world is it? And here was Dr. Wolf's conclusion. He concluded that a supportive, tight-knit community was what produced their amazing results and... That was a better predictor of heart health than cholesterol levels or tobacco use. But here's the other half of the story. As the residents of Rosetto dreamed of sending their children to college to live the American dream, they did. The children then brought back new ideas and new dreams and new people. Italian-Americans started marrying non-Italians. The children strayed from church, joined country clubs, moved into single-family suburban houses with fences and pools. The multi-generational houses disbanded. And the community lifestyle shifted gears from a nightly celebration to more of a typical every-man-for-himself mentality. That fueled the neighboring towns around them. The evening rituals of adults singing songs while children played with marbles and jacks turned into nights in front of the television. Over the next decade, heart disease rates in Rosetto doubled. And the number of strokes increased. And sadly, by the end of the 1970s, the number of fatal heart attacks in Rosetto had increased, and, then, and now they were back to the national average within about a decade or so. And so Dr. Wolf concluded that it is human beings who nourish one another. Now, let me say that again. He concluded that it is human beings who nourish one another, even more than spaghetti and the health of the body reflects this. He further stated that an isolated individual may become easily overwhelmed by the challenges of everyday life, and this kind of overwhelm can trigger stress responses. Stress responses in the body. 
an individual that is surrounded by a supportive community, however, learns how to relax grace and peace. This kind of relaxation translates into positive effects on the body's physiology, leading to disease prevention and sometimes disease remission. And now I know why Paul started with, I, I, can't, I can't help but think of you and pray with joy every time I think about you. See, that's the kind of community that they lived in. It's foreign to us. And I think not only for the sake of the gospel and the body of Christ and reaching out to the world around us, but for our own health, we need to be thinking about and striving for ways that we can be together and love one another and eat together. Think about it. Did you not hear the good news? If we do that, we can eat whatever we want and and die of old age. Amen. What else do what else do we need to hear? God knew exactly how to design not only the body but the body of Christ. So when you see an all-member ministry and and a heart for the body of Christ, don't walk away going, yeah, that church got some good, that's, that's, that's some pretty banners there. I like the color. It really goes with the wall. No, what we do is this. We look at it and say, "Woo, that's what I've been called to, to do. That's what I've been called to become. And it will help grow the church and love other people. And my health will get better. So let's do it. Let's make it happen. And so here's where I want us to start, okay? And then I'll I'll quit. Let's start praying for one another. And this week, I want you to pray. Ten's not too many, is it? We can do ten? For ten people. So I'll let you kind of just look around right now and see who you want to pray for, who seems to really need prayers. There seem to be a lot of folks over here if y'all want to. And I want us to begin to pray with joy. To begin to develop that. That, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The importance of loving one another. Caring for one another. So let's begin there. Now, you know what's going to have to happen next, right? We got to spend time together. That means we got to have more fellowship meals, okay? Could I get an amen on that? It's not just about eating. There's, it's, 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 we're going to have reach groups. They're meeting in homes all over Kansas City. Got to get in there. We got to be connected and love one another. Do not live life isolated and alone. It's destructive. Let me make this plea to you. 
If that's what you're feeling and experiencing and challenged with, come talk to me today. Talk to Steve. Talk to Yolanda. Both of you raise your hands. We'll work together to get you connected. Elders, raise your hands. Hi. Right along here. Grab one of them and say, I want to get connected. We'll get you plugged in. If you look around, you'll see a lot of folks that have big hearts that love. And we want to love you. Let us all love one another. So ten people this week, okay? Let's begin praying. That's where Paul began. That's where we began. We're going to stand and we're going to sing an invitation song. And, and I want to say this. If today you need prayers, maybe that's maybe this is, this is the time you say, you know what, God's laid that on my heart. I'm ready to come and ask that God would help me in getting connected. Maybe it's something in your life that's keeping you, right? The sin that's, that so easily entangles us that's keeping me from being connected. Maybe you begin your life today by committing your life to Jesus Christ to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Life's too short. And we've got the remedy. Grace and peace to you. Let's stand and sing.